I'm Zachary Cartwright. This is Water and Food. Earlier this year, I had the chance to meet with Kale Bird, who's the founder of Kale Bar, located in Western Washington State. We discussed how he has made investments in equipment so that he can act like a larger company to ensure food safety and food quality. And he makes energy bars for everybody in your family, including your pets. Hear what he has to say on this episode of Water and Food. Hi, Kale. Welcome to Water and Food. Thanks for being here today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing fantastic. Well, let's start off. What is Kale Bar? What, what is this product? Yeah, so Kale Bar is a energy bar made for families. So many energy bars out there, they have their niche of, you know, this is just for protein, this is for working out. Um, but I'm a very passionate person. Family has always been first in my life. So I wanted to create an energy bar that could benefit everyone, mm-hmm. whether it's your dad or mom or dad rushing out for work um, and they need a snack on the go that's healthy for them, they'll give them energy or an energy bar for kids. And, you know, while they're in school and they need something to help them focus. And even we have an energy bar for dogs, a dog energy bar, because you know what? Dogs are family. So Kale Bar is a family energy bar and it is created with all natural ingredients, um, no added sugars. It is a healthy enjoyable snack that will give you energy. That's a great balance of the necessary proteins, fibers, and even healthy carbs and healthy fats that your body needs to produce energy. And you touched on this a little bit, but what are some of the the key features about your bars that are different from other bars that are on the market? There, there's a lot out there. So why would somebody maybe choose your bar over, or over another competitor's bar? Right. Well, so many bars today use a product called brown rice syrup, um, also glycerin and um, corn syrup. Mm-hmm. They use these, uh, or or even fiber syrup. And some of those names sound nice, like, oh, it's brown rice syrup, or it's, oh, it's, you know, fiber syrup. It must be good for you. But the reality is they're all very similar products and they derive from corn syrup. Um, they're pretty much the equivalent. And so what was really tricky when I was developing my bars was I wanted to make sure that I cut out all the, uh, you know, unnatural processed syrups. And with my bars, um, I was able to create natural binders with real fruits, real nut butters. And so with my bars, you don't get any of the filler that a lot of bars have um, to cut costs. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're paying for a premium experience in your food. And I believe that everything you should eat should be a premium experience. Um, So much on the market today, I would even question if it's considered edible. Uh, based on what it is, you know, the, the amount of preservatives that are in the bars today. Um, yeah, sure, they last three years on the shelf, but are they really good for you? And so what makes my bar different is it goes back to the source of what is natural, what is healthy. And that's what I wanted to do. It was difficult. It was expensive. It took a long time to make and mm-hmm. figure out. But the end result was a healthy, delicious energy bar. They, I mean, when even kids love it, that's a big telltale sign. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about the journey to, to getting to these bars. Where did the idea even, even come from? When did you wake up and, and realize that this is the, the direction that you wanted to go? Yeah. So I, a little bit about my background. Um, I was working in the restaurant as a line cook, uh, my very first restaurant. And then I quickly became a sous chef and kitchen manager. And I bounced between restaurants, being a chef, you know, managing them. I was also in culinary school. And so I was learning a lot about the culinary industry as a whole. And where the idea for a packaged food product like this came up was one day I was breaking down an order of food and like any restaurant, you know, you order tomato sauce and the thing of chicken and, you know, dried goods, whatever it may be, flour. 
and I was opening a box of canned tomatoes and it was a family owned tomato company. And I was amazed because I said, wow, you know, this company, they made one product, one delicious product, Mm -hmm. and they're very successful from what they do. And I was thinking, comparing kind of my lifestyle and I was going, man, I'm constantly creating so many products with so many ingredients. And uh, the farthest it's getting is, you know, outside the kitchen. It's not even getting outside the door to the world. Mm -hmm. So I had this kind of resonating with me, like what kind of product could I create? Now with energy bars, people often told me, you know, that's a very oversaturated market. There's a lot of energy bars out there. How could you compete? But I had an energy bar one day and I really, and I had many energy bars. I kind of consider myself an energy bar connoisseur. Um, And so many of them are just bad. And I thought, you know what? I want to make a difference in this. I want to try my hand in this market. And so the idea came one day, as like I said, I was eating an energy bar and I decided, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to do it. So I started with buying ingredients uh, from my local grocery store, making them in my mom's kitchen. Eventually uh, the need began that I need my own kitchen. So I, I built from hand a commercial kitchen from the ground up. I'm actually in it right now. Um, but I did the plumbing, the electrical, got it certified. And from there, I used that kitchen to uh, create Kale Bar, uh, the many different variants. Um, and yeah, from there, that's how I created what we have today. And what are some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome along the way? Maybe not just from the, the food production standpoint, but but even financing. How were you able to finance this and and get everything together so that you could build this kitchen and, and then start to make uh, the products that, that you were thinking of? Well, I'm thankful for one to my parents and my family for giving me a chance to um, you know pursue this dream uh, by letting me stay with them while I basically took 80% of all the money I made mm-hmm. and poured it into this. So I bootstrapped the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I had no investors. Um, I had friends here and there that would, you know, be like, Hey, I want to give you 500 bucks or whatever, uh, to bless you. But for the most part, there were huge financial hurdles trying to, um, create something like this, uh, behind me, I have a, a packaging machine, that little blue device right there. Um, I have, uh, food processors. I have, uh, obviously the sink, the commercial ware, the fridges, um, the mixers, the ingredients. So all these things costed money. Uh, it was about, I think, $45,000 total. Mm-hmm. Um, and though that seems like a lot, uh, and those were that was a financial hurdle, when you believe in something so strongly, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And money should never be something to scare you away from a dream. Like If this is your dream, you can do it. You can accomplish it. And so that was one hurdle, obviously, financial hurdles, um, but I was able to overcome them. Uh, another hurdle was uh, really the branding. You know, there's so many different kinds of brands out there. There's many different styles of branding. And for me to come up with the branding style that I have, uh, that was a very difficult thing. And so I was uh, lucky enough to find an amazing branding artist. Um, I, I had help with that. And I was able to bring my vision to life of what I wanted Kale Bar to look like. Um, another hurdle, I think one of the most difficult ones was obviously the recipe development. Mm-hmm. Uh, the recipe development was not easy. Uh, there are no YouTube guides really on how to make a commercial energy bar, um, let alone having it last in packaging. So the amount of time I had to work with uh, a food scientist, a professional baker, uh, I basically, what I did was I created my own versions and you know it was the closest I was going to get. And you kind of get to a point, you learn this in business or any job where, you know, there's only so much you can do on your own. 
And when you get to a place where you don't know how to do it, that's a great time to ask for help. So I worked for over a year with um, many different kinds of people, kind of perfecting the recipes, getting them how I wanted. It took a lot of research. Uh, These people were not just available. This was from word of mouth, Mm -hmm. uh, Googling, looking up food scientists such as yourselves. Um, And so that was a huge challenge. And I actually had the kitchen and the branding done before my recipes were even finished. So that kind of goes to show that when you have a vision, when you have a desire, when you have a dream, even when things are not all in place, if you believe it enough, it's going to happen. And since you brought it up, let's jump ahead to to the formulation process now and and talk a a little bit about that. And, And I'm wondering how moisture is important to the products that you make. And when did you realize that you needed to start taking water activity measurements and, and taking that into consideration for the stability of your products as, as well as their shelf life? Well, great question. Um, with any food product, it needs to last on the shelf. Okay, that's given. There's nothing worse or damaging than getting your product out there and then people having mold on it or it tasting rancid. Um, and so for me, I did the due diligence of looking up what a food scientist was. I got in contact with Meter and I was able to talk to you guys and be edu- educate myself on why it's important uh, to have your moisture levels right. Um, I learned a lot about water activity and I learned a lot about um, basically if the water activity is too high, a microbial growth will occur, which will increase um, you know, the product basically going bad. And so for me, I believe that if you build a business if you build anything, the foundation of the business really needs to be good. So I wanted to make sure that I had the right equipment, that everything was dialed in. Um, I'm a very small, you know, this company is just me at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, However, when people see my product, when they see my branding, when they see the amount of effort I put into it, they get mistaken and think that it's a multi-million dollar company just on how well uh, the product is done, how well it's received, how quickly uh, my customer services. So these are things I really wanted to take seriously. I did not want to, um, you know, come out and give people a lesser product or a lesser experience when they purchase kale bar. Um, and so we take everything to, you know, the next level. And when it came to moisture, when it came to formulations, uh, this was an area where I, I said, Hey, I just don't know how to do this, but I know it's important. Mm -hmm. And so taking the time, I I believe meter group had great resources. You even gave me a, a document at the time, uh, about cold press bars and your research on there. So what's great is companies like yourself, meter group, you guys have done the work, you guys have done the research, you know, for me, I get to just read the documents and learn instead of having to learn through trial and error. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing more time consuming than doing trial and error testing. Uh, Formulations. um, I was actually really lucky uh, because when I, I basically created my products in mind to not have a lot of moisture in them, I used a lot of dry goods. I didn't add any water or oils or anything like that. So by the time it came for me to I received my Aqualab. I started measuring uh, the products themselves. All my products were in actually really good shape. So I was really lucky uh, and blessed not to have to go through a, a crazy process of going, oh, this one's too high. I need to bring the AW values down. Or So, um, yeah, it, it was a process, but uh, that was kind of the process I took on mm-hmm. to achieve the proper water and moisture levels. Kale, when do you take water activity measurements? Is this just a final products or are you also looking at uh, the mixing process as, as well as starting ingredients? Great question. So anytime an ingredient comes in from a factory, 
the first thing I do is I test those water, the moisture and water content on those ingredients, whether it be uh, dried blueberries, whether it be sunflower seeds, peanuts, I want to make sure those are at the right uh, moisture level. And for those who do not know that are listening, each product that comes in from a food supplier, they are required to have those ingredients at a specific moisture level. If let's say you get a batch of uh, cashews and they are way too high um, and you you test that and find that out, you are allowed to send that back to the company and they are required to send you either a, a refund or a batch that is at the correct moisture level. So for me, I always make sure to, to test uh, the water levels and uh, moisture levels of each product that comes in. And then after I do that, I'm pretty much good to go. I actually haven't had any issues so far with that, but it's just always good to check. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what I do is once I mix all the ingredients, basically I take a bit of the final batch and I'll test those to make sure they are at the right moisture level. And that is the most important because that's the final product. Mm -hmm. Now with each batch that I make, that little sample that tested, I save that piece and I actually mark down the lot number. So I go, okay, this is lot number 122. And that way, if a cus- if I send a product out and a customer claims that, hey, you know, your energy bars are um, rancid or they've gone bad, I can go back to that ingredient, that lot number, and test, hey, you know, let's let's break this down. Is there an issue of rancidity? Is there an issue where um, there's microbial growth occurring that I was not aware of? Um, and so it's really important to check. Uh, I actually had my very first batch. I had an early batch of pre-orders go out to people. And one of my very first batches, so it was embarrassing. It was humbling, but I'm so thankful I learned mm-hmm. it. I or, I had to order a bulk amount of sunflower seeds um, from a supplier that I was not familiar with because my typical supplier was out of stock. Um, actually, this happened during the Ukraine crisis because Ukraine supplies most of the sunflower seeds in the world. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I got this company it was from the East Coast and they shipped me over a box of sunflower seeds and they were rancid and I did not pick up on it. I just assumed, oh, well, that's just sunflower smell. And my early batch of people, a lot of them reported, hey, these bars are rancid. And so as much as that was humbling, embarrassing, um, it was a great example of why you need to check your product, why you need to test it. There's so many areas outside of even just moisture levels, um, you know, whether it's smelling, how it tastes. So you have to be really careful when you're sending food out to large amounts of people. And I I think that's a really good point that you make about checking water activity of your incoming ingredients. I I don't see companies doing this enough because sometimes if it's going to be out of spec, that variation can carry through into your final product. So it's possible that those sunflower seeds that you received were actually too low in water activity leading to lipid oxidation. And and then that was carried through to your final product. So I I think that's a really uh, good point that you brought up. The next thing that I, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about is I see a lot of companies, especially companies of your size, decide to not get their own benchtop unit and instead pay a, a third party lab 50 to $100 per test or maybe even invest in a water activity meter, something that they have found on, on Amazon or eBay, something that's really cheap. And I, I'm wondering what ultimately made you decide to, to get your own benchtop unit and, and go with an Aqualab device so that you would have that there in your lab so that you can take your own readings? Well, great question. Um, first, it's kind of all about financial perspective. Mm-hmm. Do you really believe that your company is going to be successful or not? It's um, 
it's like owning a lawnmower. Either you can pay the $400 and get a nice lawnmower, or you can rent one for $60 every time you use it. Eventually, those $150 fees like you brought up with people hiring an outside lab are going to be more than the overall unit. Mm -hmm. Also, you're not going to be able to have full control over when you test, how often you test your product. So for me, I brought this up earlier. I believe that the foundation of a business is critical. If there are cracks in the foundation, if there are issues in the foundation of a business, it's going to collapse. So I believe that if you want to become big, if you want to become successful, if you believe in your product, you're going to think big. Okay. You're not going to think small. You're not going to cut corners. Every single shortcut is bad. It's bad because you're, you're making a shortcut. You're not learning the lessons you have to. You're not paying the amount that you have to. Obviously, some people have a hard time maybe affording them, but the great thing about Meter Group um, is the fact that they get to help you finance your product. Mm -hmm. And that's what I had to help with. In fact, now this is not the same for everyone. It, it's different. There are different times, different discounts or whatever. But for me as a small business, I qualified within Meter to receive a discount. And that was great. You know, it helped me tremendously. I was able to um, afford a Aqualab with an iPad and my whole setup. Um, and then also you guys had very flexible zero interest payment plan, which I believe is available for every single person. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you guys threw in so many free, you know, sample containers, cleaning kits, full year round support. I mean, the moment I reach out to you guys about a question, I have an answer. You guys are extremely professional. So uh, for companies who are smaller, who do not have one, who are trying to go the short route of getting a cheap Chinese product. First off, if you get a Chinese it's not even an aqua lab. It's a moisture reading device. It, that thing's going to be inaccurate. Okay. And that's why it's cheap. So I do, I believe that um, first off, my experience with the aqua lab three has been tremendous. It was extremely easy to set up. It's an investment obviously, but it's a long-term investment. And as much as I use it as great as it is, it's totally worth every single dollar. Um, and I think you would be foolish not to invest in Aqualab meter for your packaged food company. And, and I appreciate you bringing up the fact that, you know, you are purchasing a, a partnership. Uh, that's part of the, the, the best part of my job as a food scientist is, is working with people like you or working and, and getting to partner and figure out what that problem is or what the spec should be so that you have a long shelf life or that you're preventing microbial growth or you can save on packaging. So um, you're right. It, it can be a, a lot up front, but what you are getting is that partnership and, and basically extending your team to include the food scientists and, and other scientists at, at meter. Um, now let's move on to the products themselves. I, I know that you, in the past, you and I have had the opportunity to sit down and, and try some of them together. Um, what are some of the different flavors of, of bars that you've created and how did you come up with those flavors? Yeah. So flavors are interesting because you just don't want to do everything that everyone else has done. Mm -hmm. However, with how much products there are, it is difficult, you know, to be very different. Um, there are thousands of combinations of flavors for energy bars. So I just began writing on a list, you know, good ideas, flavor palettes. And that comes in with uh, my experience as a chef. If you listen to a lot of energy bar company CEOs, a lot of them say, I've never tried an energy bar before, or I'm not not trying an energy bar. A lot of them say that I've never made an energy bar before. Mm -hmm. I've never had experience in food science before. So, you know, they were totally new. And however, that does give them a good creative perspective. But um, for me, you know, I know what tastes good. So I, uh, I create, I started with a berry bar and I didn't just want a blueberry bar or a cherry bar, but I'm like, you know what? 
I love berries in Northwest. Why don't we do a Northwest style bar, strawberries, cranberries, and blueberries. And we call that the Pacific berry. Then I was like, well, I like something tropical. Why don't we do a coconut mango uh, kind of bar? And then I was like, obviously we need a peanut butter bar because they're just people who love peanut butter. I made a peanut butter oatmeal crunch bar. And um, then I also created kid lines bar, kid bars. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, and I'm going to be expanding those in the future with even more flavors. Um, but for starters, I did a peanut butter and jelly bar. That is a fan favorite. Um, and I also did a brownie bar. And then towards the end, I was like, I believe one of my designers came up with the idea of a dog bar. So I created a basic, just uh, it's a peanut butter bar, similar to all the other bars. But I, I include things like ginger in there and uh, things to help dogs digestion um, as a great snack, a healthy treat for them. So that's kind of how I cre- uh, came up with the flavors. There were a lot of different ones that I was working with. I remember I tried like I was going to do like an apple bar. Um, but some of the dried apples and extracts weren't super, they just didn't work out at the time. Um, I've learned a lot. So I have a lot of ideas hatching, um, for future bars. Mm-hmm. I think I would like to do maybe a dark chocolate cherry bar. Um, I also have uh, a couple bars that are just totally finished. I have a matcha, um, kind of Asian style bar. I have a, um, a coconut or a cocoa, a dark chocolate cocoa fudge bar, um, and so eventually, hopefully, I'll be able to get those out in time. But I wanted to start with a simplistic, um, you know, uh, well-diverse catalog of energy bars that I thought most people would enjoy if they had them in a variety pack. Well, I've had the chance to, to try most of those flavors that you've mentioned. And I'm usually like a, a chocolate and peanut butter guy, but I was pleasantly surprised by the Pacific Berry Bar. That's actually my favorite. Um, I, I really like the flavor. And with all your bars, I, I was really impressed with the texture um, this bar isn't hard at all. It's really soft. And I, I was also impressed that the individual components in the bar were able to kind of keep their different textures. So there was a lot of complexity and a lot of different mouthfeel. But um, this bar definitely has a, a different texture and, and flavor to other bars that I've had. And I've had a lot of different bars uh, in the past. So I, I was impressed by the difference between this bar and other bars that I've had um, previously. You've mentioned your, your pet bar a few times. I, I actually have one of them here. Um, I just wanted to show it off. And I was wondering uh, what inspired you to, to get into the pet food market? And how did you come up maybe with this specific uh, packaging that we're looking at? Yeah, well, my designer, he's one of the best in the nation. And I say that because he wins national awards like every year and he's a local guy. He lives actually pretty close to me. Um, I knew about him from my dad. My dad did some work with him and, uh, I knew he was, he was legitimate and I kind of strayed away from contacting him originally because I was just trying to, you know, I was hiring amateurs to do my packaging work Mm -hmm. and I just was not satisfied. I probably spent like maybe $4,000 on the amateurs. Just, I had two of them. And I mean, they were great people. Don't get me wrong. Um, one of them is a great guy. He's a great friend of mine, you know, um, no disrespect, but, uh, it just, I was not satisfied with what I was seeing. Mm -hmm. So eventually, like we talked about, you know, go big or go home. I contacted this designer and where the other designers took, you know, months of, you know, and a lot of it just did not meet my standards. I talked to this designer for 30 minutes. He had my, basically the finished style of packaging that I like for all my bars in less than a week. Um, he's been one of my greatest components. His name is Ron Hansen design. That's his website, ronhansendesign.com. 
And I mean, his, his packaging is very whimsical, artsy, very colorful. Mm-hmm. And so we just had a blast working together. I was able to uh, give him the vision I had for my packaging. I wanted something that would kind of, so much branding today. And I hope people are listening to this who are thinking about doing branding. Do, and I, I say this strongly, do not go with the overly simplistic branding that everyone else is trying to do. You know, the Nordstrom's look where it's just a simple, you know, if you're a huge company, yeah, you can afford to do that because you have the marketing, you have the, the brand knowledge. But for a small company, if you do something with just font, no one's going to know, no one's going to remember that. And so for me, it was really important. I had a, a lot of the amateurs, they had some good looking stuff that looked clean, that looked simple, but the simplistic, overly simplistic designs are not going to um, last. You need something that's going to, people are going to remember. When people see my packaging, they remember mm-hmm. it. They see the happy dog on it. They see the artsy characters on it and the bright colors. And that's what I would encourage anyone else to do. You know, I have, I have this can right here of uh, you know sparkling water. And every time I see this, I remember it. it's bright, it's colorful, it's unique, it's artsy, the font is different. And so those are things that I really believe if you wanna be successful as a startup, your brand has to stick out. Pay the money for good branding. I cannot tell you how many places I've seen that have a great product, a great business model, and terrible branding. And branding is the one thing that will bring you, I believe, the farthest. Mm-hmm. People will remember your branding. You And you've probably seen this driving around the city. You see great people who have um, businesses doing landscaping or painting, and they have like a little box on the side of their car. And it's like, you know, uh, John's Painting Company. And it's like, if they invested that $1,000, that $2,000 in some really good, colorful branding, they would blow up. So uh, that's how we came up with it. I talked to my designer. It was his idea because we were kind of going with the theme, the market of family. And um, I just loved it. And also the dog on it is the same. It's actually my dog in real life. I have a Vishla. And so I said, can you make it look like my dog? <laughs> so we were able to do it that way. Well, uh, I'll be giving my dog uh, Zia this later today. She's a, a sheep doodle So I'm going to follow up with you and, and still see if we can get a, a flavor made for her. So I'll, I'll be reaching yeah. out. Okay, we'll do that. And uh, what's next for Kale Bar as as you look through the rest of this year and into next year? What have what are some of your goals, and what are some of your long term goals? Maybe looking five to to ten years down the road. So I'm still as a young entrepreneur, I'm still finding my footing, and like any business, it starts out. Uh, like a baby Mm -hmm. and you have to feed the baby, you have to nurture it and you have to grow it until it can be a strong, strong and healthy. Um, At the moment, I'm doing a lot of online sales. In fact, that's all I'll be doing after this. I'll be fulfilling some orders and it's been pretty comfortable, you know, just getting orders in while I'm sleeping and then wake up in the morning and go, Oh, I got, you know, four orders. Let's go send those out to, you know, tomorrow or whatever. Um, So that's what I've been doing lately. I've also invested in um, some, you know, more farmers markets, direct uh, marketing that way. Um, I recommend staying out of retail for any people listening to this. Uh, retail, yes, it's more of a pride and brand image, but you're going to lose money starting out in retail. Um, so I've kind of stayed out of retail for now. Um, I'm, I've met with a lot of other people who have energy bar companies, and they are very successful just doing the online business. Go on Google Ads, go on Amazon, you know, pay the, you know, five bucks a day or whatever, or the 10 bucks a day, get your marketing out there. You will see random people all over the world buy your product online. And you can basically, my business model is a direct to consumer model. And I like that. It's uh, it's a great passive income business right now. I have a lot of other things on, on my plate right now as I, I'm actually personally getting married soon. 
Um, and then I have uh, work as well. And so at the moment, great passive income. My long-term plans, I plan to grow this thing. I plan to um, you know, keep reinvesting every bit of money I make into the business. At the moment, I really don't take it for myself. I just put it back in the business. Okay, what kind of marketing can I spend on? And when you bootstrap a business compared to getting investors, it's a slower process. But the rewarding thing is you have total control and there's, you know, the pressure is totally off as when you have um, investors, you know, they want their money now. And so you have to be, you know, you have to do everything you can to appease them. And so with my business model, it's great. I love what I do. I'm able to make bars, make people happy. Uh, this morning I woke up, I was dealing with customers. I was contacting them, you know, hearing feedback on what they're doing. And I just want to grow this thing. Eventually I'll get a, a bigger kitchen. I'll uh, hire employees and I'll have them working full time. And um, yeah, I just want to see where this goes and give my family a generational business. So that's the uh, long-term goal. Well, we're, we're looking forward to see how you grow and we might have to have you back in a, a year or, or two years and touch base and, and see where things are at. Uh, final question. I would love that. Final question, Kale. Uh, where, if somebody listening would like to learn more about your company, maybe even join your team or put a, an order in to purchase product, how, how can they do that? Kalebar.com. C-A-E-L-B-A-R.com. If you even just Google Kalebar, it'll be the very first website link that will pop up. Uh, you go on my website. It's free shipping. Um, you pay $30 for any kind of box you want. I'll even throw in some free goodies. I typically do for everyone. Um, and you know, you can get any kind of box you want. You can get a variety box. You can get a, um, just a box of whatever flavor that you'd like. Um, we also make sure for people who have allergies, whether it's peanut allergies, whatever it may be, we do a really good job of not cross-contaminating. So, um, our bars are safe. A lot of our bars are totally nut free as well. So if you have kids who cannot have nuts, it's a very common issue. Um, they're not free. And then all of our bars are gluten-free as well. Um, and pretty much all of our bars except one is dairy-free. So if you can't have dairy, that's a great situation too. Um, so yeah, kalebar.com, go on the shop on there. You can order whatever you like. Um, let me know where you found me from, or you can leave me a message. And I'd love to give you something, a, a nice goodie for uh, listening in. Well, thank you so much, Kale. I, I really appreciate your time. It's been fun to, to watch your journey and thank you for the products. I will take a video or, or take some pictures of uh, Zia later having this uh, pet treat. So thank you so much again and, and we'll be in touch. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate it. I'm Zachary Cartwright. This is Water and Food. Find this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.